Good day, everybody. I hope you're doing well wherever you are in the world. My name is Trey Wynn coming to you from Chattanooga, Tennessee, in this brand new episode of Chat 10 Sports, where we're talking all things two-tone blue today. Riding solo for this episode, where we're talking all things based off of this quote. The whole system is different. Ryan Tannehill was quoted at saying this for several different things of terminology but we'll discuss what does it mean is the attack changing from run heavy are we talking terminology are we talking just tim kelly saying hmm that didn't work too well so we're going to change this up from what downing did and welcome to the kelly era we'll discuss those things henry Tannehill versus levis who should be the guy what should they do ideal offensive line i'll discuss that in full and give my thoughts there and then we'll discuss the dreaded topic of the Tennessee Titans, obviously like almost avoidable conversation. It's like the family dinner. No one wants to talk about it, but we'll talk about wide receiver and what I think the Titans should do on this brand new episode of Chat 10 Sports. What's up, everybody? Welcome into a brand new episode of Chat 10 Sports, where we're talking all things Tennessee sports and everything in between. If you're watching us from Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter, we do invite you to chat with us live, so make sure and keep that thing live. And if you're listening to us, be sure to follow, subscribe, rate the show, and if you're watching on YouTube, hit the bell for notifications. But folks, with that said, without further ado, let's jump into a brand new episode of Chat 10 Sports. All right. Got a little background music here with a theme. It's I Did It from the Dave Matthews Band, which I did not want to play too much of for obvious reasons of all of our royalties that we're, we're, we're scraping in here at Chat 10 Sports. But the song I Did It came to mind when, when Rand Carthon drafted Will Levis. The controversy begins, obviously, last year, John Robinson tried to land a third-round slipping quarterback from the first you know first round projections he could go as high as first round levis a little bit different here folks we were talking about levis realistically okay vegas was having numbers and and obviously odds change throughout the days before the nfl draft with will levis potentially going first overall to the carolina panthers obviously they went first they took they took uh, uh, bryce young little guy i couldn't see him Picture comes out, Brian Burns on one side, and it looks like uh, he he brought some type of friend from some elementary school to work to to see the, the facility and things like that. But no, Bryce Young looked very small. C.J. Stroud goes second, and then the Texans flip it and get Willie Anderson at third. And then, of course, Anthony Richardson comes at fourth. So I want to stop here for obvious reasons because there's been a lot of folks, mainly the ones that have the big orange hats on, and they, and, and they wave the flags at Neyland and they, and they you know, go kind of crazy on Twitter where Vault Twitter, you know, does what they do. And, and we have our own, you know, not kinks, but things and quirks. I mean, uh, the nuts and bolts, maybe do we, we do have our own kinks as well. But um, the Titans fan base seems to be rather divided because of the the geographical location of, of Will Lev- Levis's school. A lot, a lot, a lot. And I've asked for non-Homer Vols fans to come in my mentions and say, tell me where you're at with Levis and at least be open to him. Because here's the thing. Mike Vrabel talked about this in his, you know, in his side of the press conference because it seems that Rand wants to speak his mind, obviously, and Vrabel wants to speak his because this collaborative effort is, is, a, is a joint effort. It's a, maybe a, a, a trifecta between the, the two of these guys and Amy Adams-Strunk. 
But for them to go into draft night, obviously first round, Peter Skaronsky, we go to the, the, the late second, excuse me, late first round, about to begin the second the next night. And there's rumors that the Titans are trying to move back up to 27 to get Will Levis. Don't love the idea of that initially. I'll be straight up. Like I'm thinking, okay, Jack, you know, Jackson Smith and Jigba went around 21. That was something that I thought was from the beginning, not from the beginning, but Jackson Smith and Jigba, it, it, it struck out or it stuck out to me that at his pro day, the person that we were walking away from that pro day and talking about wasn't JSN. It was Marvin Harrison Jr. Because the dude is obviously, I mean, a legendary bloodline in this game. Marvin Harrison was Peyton Manning's quarterback for years. If you have watched the Titans, you know him well. But he was the talk of the town, right? And he is going and slated in mock draft from 2024 as high as second overall. I've seen first overall as well. It doesn't really matter when the Cardinals are projected to own the first and second overall pick in 2024 because the Texans obviously swapped with them to go up and get Willie Anderson. All that to say, obviously the Titans and other GMs have come out anonymously through, um, I'll pull it up here on Twitter, through the athletic discussing of how um, you know, just kind of the full view of the Titans at uh, full class. And I'll pull this up here on Twitter. If you follow me on Twitter, it's at T-R-E-S-W-I-N-N. I appreciate you jumping in all the time. Ongoing conversation of all things Tennessee, Tennessee Titans. Again, anonymous GM, maybe plural, maybe more than one here. But I'll read this to you straight up. The Titans drafted all offensive players, including five whose primary contributions can be in the passing game. But they didn't address a glaring need wide receiver until the final round. No one will care if the second round pick Will Levis becomes. No one will care if the second round pick Will Levis becomes a franchise quarterback, which I think everybody would agree. "Quote: There are things about life. They are thinking about things after life with Derrick Henry and after life with, with Ryan Tannehill. They already cleared out some of the other offensive line. Talking about Lawan, an executive said." They are trying to transition on the fly, which is hard when you have a high-priced quarterback. Brian Tannehill right now makes up for 15.5% of the payroll at $36 million for 2023. Going back into this article here, they need Levis to be the answer because it will make all the other issues go away. 100% agreement here. Drafting a second-round receiver over Levis would not have made much sense. They're going back in, quote, you have taken a receiver. At, you, you could have taken a receiver at 11, but they took a very highly thought of offensive line, Peter Skaronsky, and their offensive line has been, been a problem. I agree. Another executive said that the, the second round, I don't think there was a receiver worthy of it. Again, JSN's gone. JSN's probably the one guy who's known for the slot, could fit the wide receiver two spot for the Titans because you got Burks. Burks is the number one. JSN could have been that number two at second if he had been there in the second round. Other guys that we're talking about for the for the Vols Homer fans. It would not have made sense if Jalen Hyatt was there. It would not have made sense who went a pick after Hyatt, Cedric Tillman, if, if he was there. So all that to say, he says, a second round, I don't think it makes much sense for a receiver who's worthy of it, and you drafted Will Levis, which is a perfectly good swing. I understand. And it says, let's see here. After the second round, the Titans selected running back Tajay Spears in the third. 13 spots before the next receiver was taken. This is Michael Wilson out of, I believe it was USC, I want to say, from and picked by Arizona. They might have considered a wideout with the fourth, except they had traded that selection to Atlanta. Sensitive subject, sir. 
since releasing Julio Jones and cover your ears, trigger warning, Julio Jones, whose contract is counting with 12.3 million against the salary cap until this June, when nine and a half million of that burden will shift onto 2024. Last quote here is maybe they'll negotiate a deal for DeAndre Hopkins where Arizona pays for some of it. Talking about his contract, maybe eating some of his deal to help the Titans with their deal, with their cap deal. Another executive said, and this is our ending here, but their identity is running the ball. Talking about the Titans. So when we're saying things, the whole system is different. We've heard it. I think implications from Aaron Brewer, from Chigakonkwo, and from Ryan Tannehill as well. You look at this offensive tack that's known to be a run heavy, and I say that with the context here, that run heavy means anywhere from 52, 58%, or not even at a 60, 40% ratio. So we can't say run heavy as though it's all less than one. You know, we know the run, run pass or run, run, whatever the situation was that Todd Downing was running. But this thing looks to be different with, with Tim Kelly as far as the offensive ta- attack. So Hearing these wor- hearing these thoughts, they're not going to stray away from the fundamental things that you need in football. The offensive line. This is what it is. And I, I liken it to this. I play music. I'm a musician. I, t- I play around here in Chattanooga. I play several other places as well. Uh, but there's something that a bass player, right? If you've seen I Love You, Man, you like slapping the bass man and you like playing. The bass player is the offensive line of the band, okay? He doesn't get credit. But you take him out or you have a bad one, I'm telling you, it's not good. And same with, you know, other musicians, but in in different positions and obviously uh, with the offensive line, we saw how bad it got and the lack of depth, right? So I see the Titans doing this. They're taking offensive line saying we have to get it right. I do believe that Peter Skaronsky, hands down, no doubt in my mind about it, I will push the chips in on Peter Skaronsky being the guy who will be here for a very long time to be the all-star, the, the, the pro bowl perennial, you know, uh, pro pro, all-star selections, uh, first team, all pros, all those types of things. He is going to be, and this is what I've likened him to in conversations on Twitter. He seems like a guy that could be a Bruce Matthews that we know, or a Mike Munchak that just stay at that left guard spot for a decade. And here's the thing. Don't take a guard that high. Here's the thing about Peter Skaronsky that makes it okay for me, and it's versatility, which Mike Vrabel, this is a crazy thought, Mike Vrabel was known for versatility. This is a guy that played tight end, caught caught Super Bowl touchdowns from Tom Brady for his versatility, right? And this is the the pre-Gronk days where, you know, they needed a guy. They needed someone to go out there and and light it up and, and do it, and Vrabel did that. And it was one of those things here and now for Peter Skaronsky. He started as a freshman in college at left tackle. Just a little resume note there I want to make sure everyone's aware of, right? He's been there for four years. They call him a technician because his hands, who some people call them T-Rex arms, 32 inches, and anybody who's anybody knows this, like that kind of, you know, we're talking about some of the freak athlete guys and the higher percentiles like, 36 37 38 inch arms i mean you're not going to be able to like that's you can't coach that you, like that's just god-given freak athlete nature but the technical side how many guys have you seen come out here have those types of arm links but they can't put it together in an offensive lineman they can't set the anchor in a bull rush and we've seen 
I won't name any names because it seems like we've bashed them for a while. But we've seen guys get blown off the ball, even if they're only playing three three snaps and playing on a, a, a PAT and getting blown off the ball. So not to sh- throw shade, uh, I won't name names. But all that to say, the Titans have gotten back to the fundamental po- fundamental part of trying to restore the offensive line. My ideal offensive line right now is this. Peter Skaronsky is left guard, not your left tackle. I think Andre Delard, for the money he's making, which is conservative, right? You're 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 going cheaper contract for higher ceiling pick. Like Andre Delard losing the job to, to, to Jordan Maialata. No one could see that coming from this dude to literally have come out of rugby, get into the life of, of the NFL player, and become a seventh round pick to later get an extension as a left tackle freak athlete like Taylor Lewan has said like David Bakhtiari like Trent Williams there are not a a ton of guys that can do this so for the stars who have aligned for my Lotta to come in beat out Delard who did get injured need the snaps got the snaps and then ended up taking the you, know, you, you can't do anything and look at Delard and saying the guy's less than because some other guy came through same with Jimmy Garoppolo Brock Purdy comes in. Freak story, right? Uncommon story of Mr. Irrelevant becoming the face, almost, of the 49ers. So all that to say, I like Dillard. I left tackle. I think there are other players that you can look at as swing options. Obviously, that yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll stay here for right now. But left tackle, I think, is Dillard. Left guard, I think, is Skoronsky. I'm going to skip center for right now because we've talked about that. There's a couple guys that we'll discuss, but I want to talk about right guard because I think Daniel Brunskill is the guy to play right guard. Unless they're bringing in somebody else, I think the familiarity, you watch his tape, the guy pulls, he moves well, and he puts his hat on, I mean, outside cornerbacks and outside you know linebackers that are actually there for contain. There's a, uh, I could pull it up on my Twitter, but if you search through that and find a, a video of him, basically Superman laying out for this block for Christian McCaffrey. For guys to be able to get in those spots, and this is, a, I'm, I'm a former offensive lineman. I'm not trying to say I was anything special, but to know how difficult it is for an offensive lineman to sit in their pass set and then run completely towards the sideline, find a little a little cornerback who are, they're, they're shifty, right? They're like little chickens out there. You got to set your 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 feet. You got to set your hips and let the block, you know, fall and let your let your runner kind of set you up better to help with the angles. So all that to say, but I think you have an offensive line and just like this draft class, high high athletic uh, ratings, right? A lot of RAS scores, the relative athletic score that's become pretty popular, obviously during draft season. But a lot of these guys, if you look through, Mike Herndon put it up on Twitter of the overall uh, average. I think Will Levis was at a 9.87 for his athleticism score. Uh, Peter Skaromsky up there. But Colton Dowell, um, obviously other players for Ty J Spears. And then um, uh, Chris Wiley as well. Like freak athletes, right? That That is what makes sense. And if you look at San Francisco's roster, they're just made up of freak athletes. So all that to say, I like what they've done with the offensive line. Right tackle for me is going to be Nicholas Petit-Frere. Um, I think he's done well in the last year. I think given the help that was around him, the lack of depth, where they could have actually put him, maybe they move him around. I think he also has some versatility. Obviously, Paris Johnson Jr. was a pick that ended up going to Arizona pretty high, I think at six. But all that to say, 
he competed with him in the year prior. I think they're, I think uh, Frere, Petit Ferrer's final year at Ohio State um, played left tackle. So again, versatility always been a, a desired you know, trait uh, for offensive linemen. But let's talk about center. I see this. I see this strategy with which uh, Rand Carthon and Vrabel are trying to attack the offensive line issue because, again, versatility. You got to have guys that, in case someone goes down, and they could not find a body last year. I even volunteered. I promise. I, I I wrote a nice, well-worded tweet to Mike Vrabel via Twitter, just saying, "Hey, I'm at 255, 260 right now. I can't I can't give you 315 pounds right now, but I can give you heart." And it seemed like. Dennis Daly did not have the same uh, because Arden Key, who the Titans have since signed in this offseason, lit Daniel uh, Dennis Daly up for it seemed like all twelve rounds in that final game in Jacksonville, where we were, where, where the Titans lost. But all that to say, they have the ability to shift some guys around. Dylan Raidens will be coming back from um, from injury. I hope that they're able to kind of sal- not salvage. I think it's a bad situation for for other players that have come through here as well that just the team was in disarray and desperate need for just something and you offset with the Isaiah Wilson pick leads to the second round picking uh and uh, selection of uh of Dylan Radins tearing his ACL it all kind of whatever but I'd, I'd love to see him get a look if he rotated in at center because of his size I think he would give you a, a bigger option than Levin or Brewer Brewer reports himself to be at 290 pounds, which I have a hard time believing just because he's not a big dude. He is a smaller guy. I think he's just at 6'1", maybe 6'2". He's not as small as you might think, but it's one of those things for me. The good news here is this. They seem to have gone after guards who can help the center be that guy that you you flick it back past pro sets, and that center is just basically headhunting. Right, they're waiting for the guards to engage, not to chop block them, but to, to help blow out or clear a passing lane for the quarterback. Um, so Aaron Brewer, there. I mean, it's a coin toss to me uh, in the sense of who I would prefer. Both of them have pros, both of them have cons, but Levin's been serviceable at times when he's been called upon. And at the end of the day, like when you have a solid starting unit, there can be that weaker. You know, obviously Ben Jones having several concussions or more than one concussion last year. I get it. It's time to move on. But all that to say for Aaron Brewer or Levin, it's a good opportunity for one of them to, to, to you know, get in there, um, give themselves the best opportunity and may the best man win. I don't love it for a long-term solution, but again, bigger needs. And let's talk about this. I don't know if we've gotten full into uh, the quarterback uh, maybe we did, but if you just if you talk about moving on from Tannehill, whether it's draft, whether or excuse me, whether it's trade, if someone goes down before the start of the season and he becomes the hottest commodity, uh, then people are gonna obviously start calling. There's rumors I've seen rumors on social about uh, that the the Falcons having some type of trade in place during the draft for Tannehill. Obviously, don't want to report that or say that's valid because who knows where that's coming from. I won't be shocked if that's the valid truth simply because I don't think even as much as you want Desmond Ritter to work, you have the money, and maybe if the Titans eat some of, of Tannehill's uh, deal, I mean, r- realistically, right now if they release him, you get $17 million back out of 36. And if you get closer towards the season, I think even 
up to $27 million could be available uh, the later that you wait to, to release him. So they're going to, they're not going to rush to move him, but all that to say that would give you a ton of money to bolster the offense because the defense and even Stonehouse, maybe you throw Ty J Spears in there at kick return, punt return. And all you got to do Hypothetically speaking, if you move Tannehill and free up that cash, you're sitting at I think eleven, roughly eleven and a half million in in space right now. So, shit. I mean, you're talking about money going into this season, which would be nice because again, they could not buy, they could not find somebody to get a left tackle. I think they probably had someone if if it's XFL, and maybe these guys start coming from the XFL and they can start picking some of those uh, th- those guys to help, but. If they were to cut Tannehill now and obviously come away with $28 million overall at this point in the offseason, because some of that's obviously going to go towards rookies, but to have the ability in, in 2024, we're going to have a ton of money, almost over $100 million, I think, if, if the numbers are still accurate. But if they were to, to lose Tannehill, push the chips in on Will Levis, Find somebody, and here's my ideal scenario. I know I know we're jumping topics, but it's all kind of cyclical and it's all kind of related. If you move Tannehill, you could bolster the center spot. You could find a receiver. You could go after. This is my ideal situation. And again, another scenario we'll, we'll approach here, or I'll pitch here. Excuse me. Brock Purdy ain't coming back for a few weeks to maybe maybe eight weeks uh, with San Francisco. Obviously, him having the injury in the elbow. Who's a guy that could bridge and help you win some games and whenever it matters because the NFC now is just unbelievably bad at quarterback. Having Rodgers left from the Packers to go to the Jets. I'm trying to think. Obviously, Seattle losing Wilson to the, the Broncos. Um, yeah, whenever you have, I think, uh, Jalen Hurts right now, um, Kyle Brandt put out his list of top NFC quarterbacks. And Jalen Hurts, no disrespect. But for a younger guy to be leading as the number one quarterback in the NFC, it's not good. It's not good at all. So all that to say, San Francisco is going to have some games where they they potentially could, um, you know, lose some of those first few, you know, six six to eight weeks of games if Purdy is out for that long, right? And I'm going to try and pull up the uh, the Niners uh, schedule for 2024 here. If it will allow me to, um, but obviously we don't have set schedules fully, but they'll, they will, they'll show you, um, let's see. Yeah. No, no actual roster or excuse me, schedule set, but you've got opponents and conferences, but those first, you know, six weeks of the season are going to be valuable wins. And if Brock Purdy's gone and I think it's Sam Donald right now, do you want to risk that? And, and it all looks good on paper right now. Sam Donald should be good. But Ryan Tannehill, surrounded with Debo, CMC, Kittle, and that offensive line, I think he could be a guy that you could spend money on. And they are obviously in no hurry to take Trey Lance. I know he's back there, too, with Darnold as well. They could potentially move him. But if they're going to release, cut, trade Lance, they're obviously going to try and recoup, and they've tried to recoup some of the capital that it took to get up and get Lance. But at this point, you've gone cheap, but you need someone who can help you. And whether or not Tannehill is the guy that could be a backup, could move into like a, sparter, a, a starter spot at some point in the next few years, who knows? 
but that could be a scenario. And here's my ideal move, right? Brandon Ayuk would be a wonderful compliment to this offense. I, I do think the Titans are legitimately one receiver away from us all going, okay, seven and a half wins, which is what Vegas has put up. We might be talking nine and a half, ten and a half, because this, this division is not going to be great. Let me just remind us of everything. The Jacksonville Jaguars at 100%, right? They had a few people out for that final game. To see how depleted the Titans were, and to see how competitive that game was in a Week 18 setting where they needed it at home, a lot of things were happening, right? Trevor was coming back from a horrible stint with Urban Meyer and having a great year under Marone. Or excuse me, not Marone. Um, Doug, I can't think. Doug Peterson. So I always get Marone thrown in there because of, of how great he was for the Jags. But obviously, Peterson's come in, having success with, with Trevor. They're still in a place, and they didn't have like a great draft. They had a ton of picks, but not a great overall class from what I saw, and not that grades hold a ton of weight, right? But all that to say, if you were to move Tannehill, find a way to acquire a guy like Brandon Ayuk. And again, I'm open to DeAndre Hopkins. I'm open for them to kick the tires, but Hopkins has since tried to come out and gaslight the entire NFL world by saying, who said I want to leave? Arizona. You did, bro. You did. You were the one posting pictures of Henry and Lamar with you guys posting up in some some event saying, who wants to see this together? And that's not happening in Arizona. As, I mean, in some multiverse, maybe, maybe out of 16.0 billion or, you know, 18 million <laughs> variant uh, p- potentials, there may be one or two of them. Uh, but no, I, I don't think that uh, DeAndre Hopkins I don't know how the team feels about him, but he didn't seem to be, you know, going into these facilities in this camp to say, I, I want out of here. So we'll see. Yes, the Titans are back up against the wall. They have to find some type of solution because the Titans, I mean, if you go into it and you have a couple tight ends and it's all focused to next year, I, I'm open to the idea of moving a first-round pick and swapping second-round picks with the 49ers to get Brandon Ayuk. Some people have said that's not enough. Some people have said that's too much. Brandon Ayuk's not worth that. Don't make something. It doesn't make sense when our Titans fan base, right? Every conversation that we have around receiver, a name comes up. It's A.J. Brown. It's Arthur Juan, right? We know him. We love him. We miss him on the daily. He was a second-round pick, right? And I'm thinking next year in the draft, if you're going to go up as high as first or second overall, because I think the Titans are mocked right now for early 2024 drafts to be at fourth or fifth overall. I don't think you're going to be able to move and even offer a King's ransom to go up to one or two to get uh, Marvin Harrison Jr., which realistically, again, you don't need that receiver, assuming Burks is your number one guy for the long term. If he's not, we'll have another conversation in 16 or in, in 10 months, 11 months. But all that to say, what guy will you get in that draft class that would offer you, right? Because you're not losing a second-round pick. You're swapping second rounds with 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 San Fran. You're going to offer them the second of the picks, the, the, the better of the second-round picks, and you will take the, the, the later. Who knows how the, how great they are this year? They've, they've lost some people, and they're obviously trying to do work to bring bodies back in. But again, not a great draft class for them but all that to say if you're able to pick up brandon Ayuk, now you're asking why would they let go of brandon Ayuk? 
He's in his third or fourth year. I think they just picked up his fifth year. I think they've they've already done that officially. If not, there's talk of it. But the reason I brought his name up from the beginning is that with Christian McCaffrey, with Debo Samuels, with George Kittle, with Trent Williams, all those guys, you're talking top dollar, right? You don't have a ton of cap space. I'll pull it up here, just like I did for the Titans. For the cap tracker, where it is 49ers are currently 16th in the league with 12.2 mil open right now. Okay, let's let's move forward in the future one year, and I want to see what they've got beyond this year. Excuse me one second here. Here's a shot for you. Right now, okay, they are sitting at minus, so they're under the cap. Minus $30.1 million, right? That's a ton of cash. And we're looking Brandon Ayuk right now. <laughs> Boys and girls, this ain't good. Brandon Ayuk in 2024 right now is making up 6% of the cap space for the 49ers at $14 million. And let me tell you who's higher than that, okay? Next to him, $14.1 million is a guy named Christian McCaffrey. Up there, defensive tackle, Javon Hargrove, 15.5 million. Char Javarius Ward almost went, went wonky on that one. Cornerback, 17.9 mil, almost $18 million. Next, George Kittle at a $19.8 million uh, cap hit for 2024. Next up from there, and it's gonna keep we got we got a few more guys. Fred Warner. Inside linebacker, 14, excuse me, 24, almost 25, 25 million. Up there, Eric Armstead, 25 million. From there, Trent Williams, 28 million. And up at the very top, the number one spot for the 2024 49ers, this is our cap salary breakdown. Debo Samuels at a whopping 28 and a half million doll hairs. Now, we're not talking about doll hairs like we're going to Taco Bell. Hey, can you spot me some doll hairs? We're talking about franchise. I mean, this this is stuff that they got to pick some people here. Thirty, you're you're under the cap, right? Thirty mil. I think the Titans started in that neighborhood this upcoming season, and obviously they they've had a bunch of cap casualties. Why Brandon Ayuk? I think you've got a receiver in Debo. Obviously, they could they could find a way to move him, but as much as Debo held out and got his deal. They can't. They can't really do a whole lot. If I try to manage this roster, and again, you got to think too. I think Nick Nick Bosa just got a deal. I want to want to double check that and get back uh, or his projection right now. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I, I'll get back to Nick Bosa here, but let me pull up Spotrack uh, again. Just to say, like the 49ers cap situation is not as simple as you think. Like, we're going to keep Brandon Ayuk just because it's so simple. You never know. You might be this is one of those things where they might try and go back to the draft. They might try and find a guy that could that could suffice and be a lot cheaper than that $14 million tag for Brandon Ayuk. I'm not beating the dead horse, but my thought is you, you're not going to find a dude even in the in the free agent realm for next year, right? Let's see what they've got in 2024 coming up for wide receiver because here's what the Titans are looking at. We, it, we're either going to push our chips in on a position right now, and here's the big kicker. Inside linebacker could use some help. I'm sure cornerback could use some help. Center, obviously offensive line depth could use some help. 
But if we're talking about 2024 and we walk into 2024 and your biggest need is still wide receiver, that's hard. That's hard for me to stomach. Okay. I got a list here that obviously this has not been updated because Odell Beckham Jr. is still on there. Corey Davis is this is all 2024. They're one year deals. They could be extended. We'll talk about it when we get there. Here and now, number one option receiver at age 30.5. He has is listed today. So by this time next year, he'll be 31 and a half. Mike Evans, you got Odell Beckham Jr., Corey Davis, Curtis Samuel, who'll be 28 at this time next year. Tyler Boyd, Devontae Parker, uh, let's see, DJ Chark, who is, I think, recently been picked up. Michael Hardeman has been recently picked up, for, I think, has a new deal for next year and beyond. But not, not guys that you want to go out. And then, for example, this is all hypothetical for next season, but Mike Evans at the top spot, his market value as a 31-and-a-half-year-old at the time will be worth a going rate. And again, this is maybe calculated to say hey they're going to overpay maybe he might get more but a 23 million dollar you want to pay 23 million dollars next year for a 30 to almost a 32 year old wide receiver no no i don't either and the thing is if they do move that first round pick hypothetically like i'm saying here get iu swap second rounds trade that second and fall further back recoup all the picks that you need because here's the thing when you have an estimated $100 million. We're Dr. Evil in it right now, but we're talking about $100 million here. That's mind-blowing, okay? We pull it up here on Spotrack again. The estimated number for 2024. Oh, let me pull this up here correctly. $88.6 million right now with the top spot going to Simmons. We're deep diving into the salary cap. That's including... Bayard potentially could be moved. You're looking at Andre Delard's contract goes up to 10.6. Tannehill is a void year, but they're still counting it. Henry's still on there. Um, but even if you're looking at 88, 88.6 million for 2024, I'm going full LA Rams. Blank those picks, baby. Give me an, a receiver, and again, I'm not looking for a 30-year-old guy that you're going to take on $23 million. And the only way I look at, at DeAndre Hopkins, if he's even interested in leaving, right, is if they're eating some of that money. Um, so all that to say, like, we've, we've covered some topics here. I think I've hit everything. I think we talked about, obviously, Tannehill quarterback stuff, offensive line receiver, and then Henry. I, there have been conversations. I was I was putting this up on my Twitter as well. Do you extend Derrick Henry for this year to lower the cap? And I'll put this up here. 2023. If you were to extend Derrick Henry, who I think is due to make 16 million, if my memory serves me correctly, 16.3. Um, it doesn't give you the option because he's in, a, in a, the last year of his deal. He's got a couple void years, though. So if you were to take the total of, let's say, let's let's use our calculator here since we were public school kids. He's making 16.3 plus another eight in the final. He's through him 30 million dollars. 
over the next three years and just averaged it. And of course, you could have incentives and have it lower than this. At an, say we did an eight million dollar average with incentives out the wazoo. Because you got to think, Henry's out here running hills. He's training the way that he does. We all know it. We all love it. But the thing now is Henry's value, I don't believe it is what it was for a long time. Henry, we probably have gotten the best. And here's the unfortunate thing. This is nitpicky. I'm sure you guys have all heard this BS from me throughout the entire offseason because Henry technically, per Spotrack's market value, we're paying more than what he's worth. Some folks called that being upside down, right? He's being paid 16 million, 16.3. Market value is at 15. It's a million dollars. It's Derrick Henry. I get it. I'm not nitpicking there. But my point is you lower that cap hit from $16 million. You're freeing yourself up some more change. Again, if they get into a situation this season in a very lackluster AFC South that has a bunch of rookie quarterback led teams potentially, if Tannehill's moved. You're not tanking. You're saying, hey, we're still competing. You're doing enough. And that's that, this is my honest take. If they put Levis out there, Tannehill gets moved, and they trade this receiver, the fans are lining up at the box office for, for tickets. I am 100% convinced in that. And if it's Brandon Ayuk, we're talking season tickets. You know, Some of these fireball 300-level seats are going for, for very low prices. And I'm telling you, before they go – to the new stadium, it's going to be fun to be at Nissan to kick the old uh, cinder block pillars that you that you pass every time and and say goodbye to the old place, folks. I'm thirty. I'm thirty eight minutes into this thing. I'm very appreciative of you listening. If you've stuck it out this upcoming week, I have two people on the pod. I'm excited to have them: Zach Lyons of F Words uh, Football and other F Words and StackingTheInbox.com does have a great like full analytical breakdown of Titans players, positional needs, all of the above from positions and coachings and all the changes and all the crap that we continually tap the vein and ask for more of. Zach Lyons does an awesome job. And this week I'll also have Tic Tac Titans, my guy, Tyler Rowland from Locked On Titans on to discuss his thoughts on a wide variety of Titans topics. So make sure and stick around that. Again, if you're new to Chat 10 Sports, you see that logo up there. And I guess on this side or wherever I'm at, Chat 10 Sports is available all over social media. Chat 10 Sports is our handle. Find us on Spotify, Apple Music. We use Anchor, so find our link in our link tree on our social media. And if you're on the YouTube, do us a favor. It's awesome that you watch this, but do us a favor. Thumbs up, do us a favor, and subscribe, and do us another one. Share the show with somebody. Hey, we're local. We like to do this kind of stuff here in Chattanooga. But if you enjoy it, make sure to subscribe so that you see all this com content coming down as it comes. And we are having a blast. Chase is out here going to be hunting for some things to be talking about with balls, NBA. So keep an eye out for those things. Lots to talk about now that we have NFL conversation. And I'm actually in the works to have someone in to talk about all things NFL. So we'll be talking broad, all NFL topics. So if you have some takes, be sure to bring them. But thank you guys so very much for joining. Hope you have a great rest of your week, and we'll check you guys next time.